0: So, first thing I want to do is I want to thank all the poll workers who responded and came forth over the last five weeks uh, covering our early voting, going through the training, and being available yesterday to turn this into a really smooth election. It's noon. (laughs) It is longer than a minute. There we go. Okay. We're winding down. All right. So before the interruption, uh, we were thanking all the people who came out and made the election experience so smooth, especially uh, for first-time voters. And, of course, that's all the result of what Mary Beth and her colleagues in the city clerk's office have done over the years, perfecting the system, getting folks trained, working out the technique techniques. And, you know, we really had very few glitches, um, certainly not the kind of glitches we saw at other uh, locations around the country. So what did that produce? So let me take you to some numbers on, on the charts here and then Mary Beth and I can, can go over it. The first major column that you look at is turnout. The third column is the number of people who were registered prior to the election day. And that's always our base when we talk about percentage of registered voters who showed up. And the middle column is the percentage. Now, you'll recall we were up until yesterday's election using two data points uh, to, to get to this, this question of turnout. So if you read down to November of 2012 in the presidential election, that's when we had the highest turnout in our history, 81 percent of those pre-registered voters. If you move a few more lines over to... Um, November of uh, now, I've lost it. Help me out. Where is thank that seventy-one percent? Uh,
1: You're talking about November 2014.
0: Thank you, November 2014. You'll you'll see a 69.5 turnout uh, in in the governor's race. We'd been talking about trying to get in between those two numbers, in between 70 and 81 percent, with a target of 75 percent, a new record. A new record for a midterm election. As you can see from the November 18, 2018 results, it's 92.9 percent, which is quite astounding, but. It's actually not as good as it looks. It is great, but you've got to keep in mind that there was a major purging of old voters off the rolls this last year, and you can see that in the pre-registration number of 156,000. If you go back, for example, to April of 17, we had over 200,000 voters. But even if we use some of these baselines, In the 180, 190,000, which was the kind of numbers we were working with pre-registered voters in the past, were still way up there in regards to uh, that turnout. So we asked everybody, please get out and vote, uh, and said, hey, if you do, you're going to help set a new record. And so congratulations to all these record holders. Anybody who voted yesterday, you were part of history. And I really doubt that we're ever going to hit a number this high. And I I really don't know where uh, in a a major city in this country you're going to see a turnout over 90 percent of the pre-registered voters. And I want to talk about this in the context of civic involvement. Madison and Dane County have always been a leader in three areas, and they go together, and one affects the other. We've always been a leader in regards to percentage of households that recycle. We've always been a leader in terms of percentage of households that participate successfully in the census and return their census forms. And we've always been a leader in voter turnout. And, as I said, one feeds upon the other. And what's, what's so good about this is all those folks who voted on Tuesday, they are going to be reinvigorated not only to vote in subsequent elections, but they are going to become uh, more involved citizens in terms of recycling and for something really important in the next two years, and that's participating in the census so we can again lead the United States in the decennial census in terms of households that fill out and return their forms. And that's very critical because President Trump has been uh, ominously cutting back on funding for the census and is actively trying to discourage uh, families of color, low-income families, immigrant families... From participating in the census that will be approaching in 2020. And we will be spending a lot of time in the next year talking about and preparing for the census. So, Mary Beth, uh, can you explain the process of what happens with those significant number of early votes and how the poll workers are under pressure. They open at 7 in the morning. Now they got to take that morning rush, and they got to get those, those ballots counted.
1: Right. Every absentee ballot that is cast at the library or is returned through the mail to the clerk's office gets sent to the polling place for that voter. And then the election officials at the polling place walk that envelope up to the poll book, announce the voter's name and address to check them into the poll book, just like the voter would have done if the voter was at the polls. And then they will, once they've assigned numbers, open the envelopes, remove the ballots from the envelopes so they don't know how each person had cast their ballot, and then feed each of those ballots into the machine at the polls on Election Day. And this takes place while voting is going on, so it's an open and transparent process.
0: And we got held up in one or two polling places with a significant number of on-site voters and ballots, and that's why uh, what we had about 98% return at around 11 o'clock, and then it took a little while to get that last 2%. Yes. Milwaukee, as you all know, by midnight, uh, was still waiting on feeding in almost 35,000 ballots. And and that's, that's what happened. They have to go through the same process. You cannot start that process of counting those ballots before 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning, correct? That's right. So it's not a glitch, but that's just a requirement of law. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun over the last three weeks with you guys, reviewing this stuff, keeping up to date, and I just want to again thank you, because you played a big role in helping get this great turnout here in Madison and Dane County. Questions, Abby, you look like.
1: Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Can you just brief us um, once more on why the city uses the percent of registered voters as sort of a baseline for turnout rather than voting age population and if there's advantages and disadvantages to to either of those? It's really for selfish reasons for the clerk's office because these are the numbers we use to place our ballot order, and the reason we're taking turnout numbers at 11 o'clock and 4 o'clock is to make sure each polling place will have enough ballots, Mm -hmm. and then we're projecting what their turnout might be and calculating whether we need to get more ballots ordered or deliver more ballots to each polling place. And that's the only data we have by ward.
0: And in a city with a major university, that's a number. Sometimes the other metric that's used is percentage of eligible voters. But we've got uh, a significant part of the student population that is voting at their home residence. Students have a choice. They spend almost uh, over eight months of the year here on, on campus. They spend over three months in their home community. And they have a choice, and sometimes they just simply prefer prefer, uh, to to vote through uh, the community where they were raised.
1: Every year the state gives us an estimate of how many people citywide are 18 years old or older, but that doesn't tell us if they're eligible to vote, and that's just a citywide number. So that really isn't useful for the purpose of ordering ballots specific to each polling place. Um, for this election, was that rapid response team in place? Were they moving around yesterday, and <laughs> they were, what were they responding to? They were in high demand. Uh, we could have used an even bigger rapid response team because we found that once we sent rapid responders somewhere, the officials at that polling place were reluctant to give them back up to move on <laughs> to the next place, but they were crucial in helping reduce lines. And how many people were a part of that team? I didn't look at that number very recently. It's around 100. Around 100. Yeah. Okay. And that, cause that was in addition to the like, 2,800? That's included in the 2,800 poll workers. 28. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind speaking one more time, just because I have it on Facebook Live as well, so people can hear it. Kind of. Obviously, we've had a record voter turnout, ni- more than 92%, which is far surpasses the 2016 presidential election. How did early voting play into that? Can, can you speak on how many people early voted in comparison to showdown polls on Tuesday? We had, and by early voting you mean uh, at the library or clerk's office or streets east or on campus, casting an absentee ballot, 37,338 in-person absentee ballots cast. And in 2016, that total was 57,260. What role do you think uh, Madison's record high turnout played in the results of this election?
0: Well, when when you look at how close it is, there's there's no question that it had an impact. But then again, uh, Milwaukee did far better this year than it had done either two years ago or four years ago. I think the number that we haven't hit upon that might be of real interest is the actual vote total. So we had 145,000 people voting uh, in the election on Tuesday. The preceding presidential election was only 9,000 more, 154,000. And I doubt that you're going to see many communities around the country where the gubernatorial vote yesterday, the state vote, was so close to the presidential vote, In the past, another comparison, 145,000 voters again Tuesday in the gubernatorial race. The last gubernatorial vote was 122,000 four years ago, and four years before that, it was only 110,000 votes. So even with the city's population having grown, uh, the increase from when Scott Walker was first elected in November of, of 2010 with under 110,000 votes cast and 145,000 votes cast in this election, that is a really profound difference. That's an increase of 45,000. And when you look at the margin, uh, that pretty well covers it.
1: Um, I think I have two questions. (laughs) The first one would be about, you gave a bit of a caveat at the beginning, Mr. Mayor, about how these numbers are, not quite as high as you think. So then it makes me wonder, when we're talking about the city of Madison as compared to other cities and their voter turnouts, is this a legitimate number to use to compare against other yes, cities? Yes, because not-
0: because the others in, in the state pretty much use the pre-registered vote, and they've all gone through the same culling of the voter rolls in the last two years that we went through. Okay, so so comparison city to city, it's it's pretty accurate.
1: Okay, so the follow-up would be? Uh,
0: and, and, and I'll tell you another way of looking at it. Sure look at the total vote cast for the two candidates here in Dane County and Madison and compare that to Milwaukee County, and then look at the difference in the size of the populations.
1: Did you ever think when you guys were working to you know, clean up the poll numbers and, and get things set that the midterm election would be your record breaker?
0: We thought it would be a record. We knew it was going to be a record breaker for midterms and we figured 71% was an easy goal cuz we were going to break that 69-70% level. We set a target of 75% to make it meaningful. Let's let's you know, let's not get sloppy about this. Let's let's do something really big. Crossing 80% was imaginable. Getting to where the last presidential record was and over 90% unimaginable. This is just fantastic.
1: What do you think accounts for uh, what inspired people to go out and vote?
0: Well, there's no question that uh, the two candidates and, and, and their workers, uh, the media campaigns, had a lot to do with it. But our role is to make that experience as easy and understandable And convenient as possible. And yeah, we did have some lines along the way. But when you look at uh, lines of one hour and two hours and longer that took place in other places in the country and in Madison, given how many days of early voting and what we had Tuesday, most people got in and out within 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I voted. I was in and out in, in, in less than five minutes. And that's the experience of the majority of voters, and that's very important for first-time voters. And that's where the effort of the clerk's office and years and years of working at this and training our poll workers comes in. So yeah, it's one thing for the parties and the candidates to inspire and motivate their people to go to the polls. It's our job to make that experience easy, simple, enjoyable, so that people walk away saying, hey, I voted, and it was fun. And the
1: voter ID law has been around for a few years now. Do you think it's still having an impact on the turnout here?
0: It still is having an impact, but I think that's another one of the marvelous things, that the legal Women Voters, the city clerk, the county clerk, all of us engaged in turning out the highest vote possible have have done and that is to get people the information get them access to the necessary identification so that we can get these great turnouts we have really thwarted the forces of evil that have tried to suppress the vote do
1: you have a goal yet for 2020 voter turnout
0: well 2020 presidential election i mean obviously we, with a, by any standard, a presidential election should have a higher turnout than a midterm. So, it, looking at this number of 156,000 uh, pre-registered and a turnout of 145, I would say that we'd want at least to get up to 165,000 uh, in in the 2020 presidential election. Somebody can make a note of that. Did I just say that? Yes. 165,000 and that would give us a 10,000 greater turnout than the 2016 presidential election.
1: With the change in administration, in what area are you hoping to improve Madison's relationship with the state first?
0: That's interesting. Um, I really feel sorry for Tony Evers. There is eight years Of pent up dreams and Wisconsin values that have been contained and they're all going to come out in the next 30 days uh, even before Tony is is inaugurated as as governor Um, we had a staff meeting this morning on just a couple of areas and I think three times in that meeting I said make a note of that for the Evers administration. Um, we have to deal with the advent of e-bikes, electric bikes, and regulations regarding their speed uh, here in the state of Wisconsin, not just the city. So that's that's one area uh, where we've got concerns. We have to deal uh, with some unanswered questions regarding Uh, zoning and some loopholes whereby uh, doing a condominium development as opposed to a regular subdivision allows people to do some unsewered developments which we don't think are a good idea. So there's those, I mean we can just go on and on changing the voter ID law is is a great place to start. Uh, We'd like to see restoration of our landlord-tenant laws that were decimated. We'd like to see our ability to get safe regulation of of not just taxicabs but TNCs. There's just no reason police officers uh, can't do background checks, and we've seen what's happened when that's avoided. And of course, then labor rights. And I mentioned that uh, there's the issue of um, the issue of, of project labor agreements and prevailing wage. That was defined and cast as the Walker administration's freeing the state from labor unions. But some of the best contractors in the state were aligned with the building trades on the issue of prevailing wage and project labor agreements because they felt that would get the best quality workers, the best quality construction on both public and private jobs here in Wisconsin. So if we had another 45 minutes. uh, We can continue with the list. But, you know, out out, out of respect to the new governor-elect, he's really got to be the one who picks and chooses where to go with this very, very long list. And, frankly, I don't think we should have high expectations for the next two years. And that's because of the gerrymandering. I mean, here we had a very decisive outcome in terms of the statewide races and absolutely no change to the better in regards to the state legislature, either houses, the Assembly or the State Senate. And that is because of this horrific gerrymandering. Probably the greatest accomplishment uh, long-term that the Evers administration will succeed in is now getting us fair competitive legislative races after 2022, which will carry the state into the next decade and what I would call a, a, a renaissance and a period of enlightenment, that's what the state's got to look forward to.
1: Have you gotten the chance to speak to Tony Evers yet?
0: I have not, and I'd love to, but again, I'm, I'm just sure he's, he's flooded and inundated, and all I could say is thank you for a great campaign and what you're going to do for the people of the state. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. We won't be doing this press conference again for another couple of years, but we are going to be doing this uh, again as we lead into the census, uh, and we're going to actually start work on it in 2019. So this is just great to, to, to get this information out to the people of our community. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.